Okay, turn in your Bibles to Matthew. Glory to God. You know, we ought to shout the victory. And if you can't shout, uh, do it anyway. Matthew 4. And uh, we're going to begin at verse 1. I'm going to pray. We'll get right into our message. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank You today for Your presence. We thank You for the holy written Word. Lord, while we enjoy worshiping, we enjoy praising, we enjoy singing, Lord, we put the Word of God at the highest place. We give it the most prominence. For it's the Word, Lord, that when we hear it, that builds our faith. It's the Word that we stand on. Lord, we stand on the Word when we have no feeling. When we have no inspiration, we stand on Your Word. When things are going good and things aren't going so well, we stand on the Word. Lord, we thank You that Your Word is eternal and never changes. And we can have confidence in what You've said and what's been written here in the Bible. And Lord, we thank You today that over the next few minutes that our hearts will be lifted and will have understanding of Your goodness to us. And we give You glory and honor and praise for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise the Lord if you look then again at Matthew 4. And uh, I want to tell you The title of this message is How to Defeat the Devil Every Time. How many know we can defeat the devil every time? Now, some folks think that life should be uh, just a bowl of cherries. Irma Bombeck said one time, wrote a book, If life's a bowl of cherries, what am I doing in the pits? (laughs) I think everybody here can testify you've had cherry day and you've had pit day. But one thing is we don't have any guarantees in this life that everything's going to always be easy. Everything's going to always be rosy. Just because you find the will of God in the covenant and in redemptive blessing doesn't mean that there's not going to be any challenges. Nothing tough's coming. Well, you live long enough, you figure out that life is full of problems, isn't it? Our faith is challenged, oftentimes on every hand. And there's trials that come. But thank God that throughout life, whether it's a happy day or a challenging day, we know that three things never change. One is the Word of God never changes. Amen? Your circumstances don't change the Bible. Number two, uh, God Himself never changes. The Bible says that with Him there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. God's the same. Well, that gives me comfort. How about you? We don't know what the government's going to do or anybody else, but we know that God's the same. He's unchangeable. And then the third thing is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Hallelujah. He never changes. Hebrews 13.8. Well, let's talk about the Word a minute. Again, the message title, How to Defeat the Devil Every Time. We're going to see what Jesus did. How many believe that whatever Jesus did might be good for us to try? Matthew 4, 1. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Now, see, Satan always comes. Let's stop there and look at that a minute. Satan always comes to challenge what God has already said is true. Now, whatever the Bible says is, is yours, is yours. Whatever the Bible says belongs to you, belongs to you. Whoever the Bible says you are, that's who you are. Well, the devil will come and say, well, are you that? If. Notice that. Now, this is the big red, if is what we call the big red badge of doubt anyway. Well, what if the Bible's not true? Well, we don't even have grounds for a discussion if you start with that. Amen? I've had people say, you know, I've got all kinds of problems. Will you agree with me? I'll say, yeah, sure, I'll agree. In Jesus' name, you have all kinds of problems. I agree. Well, they meant we agree, something else, you know. But let's have something to agree on, not if. You can't agree on an if, you can't agree on a but. (laughs) It can't be, well, the Bible says, but. Well, you know, we could get in trouble with that word, couldn't you? But, some people need to get their but out of the way. (laughs) And get their if out of the way. And their ands and everything else. And their mixture of something. And just get the word out. Well, this is the devil. If you are the Son of God. If you are healed. The devil might say to you. If you are blessed. If you are these things. Then. Do this. You know, offerings have been received with this kind of spirit on them. Anytime you hear that, you need to keep your money. Sit on it real tight. If you're blessed, then you'll give this kind of offering. You know, somebody will say an amount. You know, the the water slide has dried up. At headquarters, we need to get it going. And if you, if this and that, you need to do something. Well, God doesn't talk in ifs. God's yea is yea and His nay is nay. Amen? If you are the Son of God. Isn't that something? What a challenge. Trying to get Jesus to wonder. Well, maybe I'm not who I thought I was. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. One preacher got up to take an offering. He said, well, if you're blessed, you'll bring, you know, you'll bring an offering down front here. And it was one preacher got down the aisle and he had $20, a $20 bill. And uh, the guy up on the platform said, uh, well, you're not blessed or you would give more than $20. Well, the guy went back and he, you know, had a consult with his wife at the seat and they got the checkbook out and wrote it for 200 Brought it down, the pastor said, that's more like it. Well, see, that's not right. 
I'm just, can I just call that out? Say, well, they're a prosperity minister. No, they're not. They're just a liar. Liar, liar. They should have the slogan on the wall at their ministry, liar, liar, pants on fire. Don't you wish God would, uh, you know, if you watch a, you ever watched a television show or something and they put words up on the screen, you know, to he's lying or something. Don't you wish God did that? I've often said, you know, as somebody's preaching, you know, the words could just hang out front, you know, supernaturally in the air. The guy says, well, the Lord said thus and so, and the scroll would come. I never said that. He's lying. He's made it up. Or, how many remember the gong show? The gong show. That would be a good thing. God supernaturally places a gong in every church. Everything somebody gets up to do, the gong gets hit and they get taken off the stage. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I might have gotten gonged a time or two myself. I don't know, though. But might ought to rethink that one. <laughs> if, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, you think, how is that a temptation? Well, it's a temptation for Jesus to prove something to the devil. So anybody says, well, if you're really a Christian, then you ought to be doing this. If you're in prosperity, you ought to be doing that. If you're healed, you ought to be able to, you know, run over the, run through a troop and jump over a wall. And if you act on that, you're actually yielding to the spirit of doubt and unbelief. There's no faith in that. Isn't that something? So the same action for one person could be an inspiration by the Holy Ghost to do something. Somebody else does it trying to prove something and they're not in faith at all. They're in the flesh. Brother Shambach talks about, you know, he, that poor man, he had like seven different open heart surgeries during his ministry. He was quite open about it. I'm not revealing anything that was private. And he had a testimony. He said his heart started pounding and thought it was going to come out of the chest cavity one time. And he's on the New Jersey turnpike, you know. <laughs> and uh, he's driving his car across there and it felt like he was just going to have a heart attack right on the freeway. And he felt impressed of the Lord. Did you hear that? I said impressed of the Lord in an inspired thought. In faith, pull your car over and run up to the next mile marker and back just to prove to the devil and everybody else that you're healed. So he did it. And he got back in his car and his heart beat normal and he didn't have to go in for anything. But now somebody else hears that. Can I just help you out here as your pastor? Somebody else hears that and thinks, well, that's what you do. If you feel like you're having a heart attack, get out and run on the freeway. Well, and if it's not inspired of the Lord, it's not a faith thing. It's you're proving something to get rid of the if or the but. We might, you know, be scraping you up too. You understand? Say, well, why did the Lord let that happen? Well, the Lord didn't. But you see here, Jesus, had he been in the flesh, how many believe Jesus was never in the flesh? But had he been just sort of normal and in the flesh, the way normal people think, he'd say, all right, I'll do it. I'll prove it. I'll turn these stones into bread. 
Well, see, you don't have to, you don't, let me tell you this, folks. You don't have to give in any offering to prove that you're blessed. You're blessed because the Word says you are. Amen. You are redeemed from the curse of poverty because Jesus died on the cross, not because of your giving. So we give out of love for God. We give out of obedience to the Word, but we're not proving anything by that. You say, well, boy, that's kind of dumb, isn't it, for the pastor to get up and say that when he's the guy taking the offerings all the time. But I'll tell you what, I just as soon take no offering if I have to lie to you and tempt you to get into sin to do it. So do you understand that? Some guy gets on TV and says, you know, are you having... I don't know what I'm on this for, but it'll help somebody. Some guy gets on TV and says, well, if you're having debt problems, you need to sow a seed to break it. No, you don't need to sow a seed to break it. Jesus broke it. Now, if you want to sow a seed because you believe in their project and you want to be a part of it and you feel inspired of the Lord to do it, well, sow your seed and do it in faith and be happy about it. Can you say amen? Amen. Boy, it's quiet in here in this Lutheran conference by the lake. (laughs) Well, glory to God. You know, we that's... What that is, when you do something to disprove the devil, you are actually yielding to the temptation. We, when we do, if we do that, we are actually yielding to the temptation to turn stones into bread. But we need to answer, how did Jesus answer the devil? How did he? Did he rebuke him? Did he bind him? Did he scream in tongues at him? What did he do? See? No. He And there's a time to bind. There's a time to rebuke. And there's a time to preach in tongues. I, don't, I mean to preach in tongues. Now that's that would be challenging, wouldn't it? <laughs> Pray in tongues. I've been in the meeting where they tried that, but it, nobody was blessed. Uh, man... Look at, look at what he said. There's three little words that he said, and that's what this whole message is about. It, he answered, how did he answer the devil? It is written. Now, folks, the devil and negative thoughts, we don't sometimes know if it's the devil or demons or just negativity or our own fears manifesting or whatever, but it's all not from God, right? Anything negative that comes against you like that in your thought life, you need to understand there's only one way to defeat it. One preacher said this, if the devil can hold you, or the enemy of your soul can hold you in the arena of reasoning, we're talking about spiritual things here, if he can hold you in the arena of reasoning, He will beat you every time. He'll argue you out of your blessing. He'll argue out of the redemptive work that Jesus did for you. But if you'll hold Him in the arena of the Word, you'll defeat Him every time. Because no one can naysay the Word of God. Isn't that something? 
So if you try to argue your righteousness just from your, you know, how amazing a Christian you are, well, the devil will come up with three things you never thought of that you did wrong. Try to defeat you. If you try to argue about your healing from the standpoint of human reasoning, you'll lose every time. Or your finances or whatever else you believe in God for your family. But you hold Him in the arena of the Word and just stand there like Jesus did and say, it is written. That's why we need to know the Bible. That's why we need to get the Word of God out and uh, and read it for ourselves. Amen? Uh, we need to get it out a little more often than just digging it out from the trunk of the car under the golf clubs to get it into the church. Praise the Lord, you know. Thanks, Bob, for that. One amen. I told him to be ready to say that when the, the appropriate moment. <laughs> we have to help each other out, brother. I tell you. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Plow through the Sunday morning service. <laughs> well... What did Jesus say? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up. (laughs) How many know the devil doesn't quit? Always on round one. The bell rings and he's back for another round. The devil took him up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, said to him, if, here we go. You know, he doesn't have any other tricks, folks. That's all he's ever used is challenging what God said. When he went to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he asked a question. Hath God said? (laughs) Well, I thought he did. Well, surely that's not what he meant. He's always asking, hath God said, if thou be? Always asking a question. He said, if you are the Son of God. What's, there's no if to it. He is the Son of God. And Jesus noticed he didn't argue that. Well, I am. Right here I've got my Son of God credential card. <laughs> Messiah Ministerial Association Coordination Certificate. <laughs> no. No, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. Don't you love this? And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Now you got the devil quoting the word back to Jesus. This is like hysterical. You want to read something, you want to read something make you laugh, read the Bible. I'm telling you what, there's the craziest stories in there you ever heard of. Stranger than fiction, some of them. Now you got the devil, I mean, are you kidding me? You've got the devil quoting the Bible to Jesus. But he's using the Bible inappropriately. See, he's twisting it around, trying to get him to Once again, to just yield to this temptation. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get Jesus to commit suicide. Do you ever think of it like that? Throw yourself down. 
Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I love the way that's written. Or uh, I think King James says tempt. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. No, he doesn't give up easily, does he? He's on round three. Hit the bell. And showed him all the kingdom of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now we get to the heart of it. And it's always like that. You know, we've said three things that never changes is God. I mean, God's Word, number one, God Himself, and then uh, Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what also never changes, and that's the devil. He never changes. He doesn't have any new tricks. And his goal is always the same. His goal has been the same from day one. He said, I want to raise my throne up above. He said, I want, he wanted the worship that was rightfully God's in heaven. Satan wanted it for himself. He's jealous of God. He's jealous of the, of the adoration of the universe to God. Satan wants it. So what does he want us to do? He wants us to stop worshiping. He wants us to stop putting God's word first. And he wants us, we're getting a little feedback there. And he wants us to do that. He wanted Jesus to do it. Fall down and worship me. Can you imagine that? This this story just gets more weird by the moment. That's really weird, isn't it? Now you got Satan tempting Jesus to worship him. Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. At that point, the devil left him. In other words, the gig's up. And behold, angels came and were ministering to him. I love this passage. It never grows old to me. And I've had to remind myself when things began to be challenging. Anybody ever had that day? Challenging day? Troubles, things that work looked like they weren't going to work out. We'll say, well, this isn't what we prayed. We, we, we had the best prayer warrior in the church agree with us, and then it really fell apart. You ever had that? Some preacher with the, with a really amazing anointing knocked you down and you hit the wall and, you know, you, you not only saw angels, but bluebirds and all kinds of things twinkling around your head. And you think, surely, I got my healing now. Surely something great's happened now. And then you, the next night's the worst time you ever had. Well, it's, you can't depend on those things. But I'll tell you what you can depend on. And thank God for experiences. We're not against having an experience. I'm hoping you're having one today of some kind. I hope it's a good one. Surely you're not suffering through the meeting. You know, that's like the, that's like the, the story of the, does everybody like jokes every now and then? I just throw them in. If you don't like it, you can pray in tongues while I tell it so that you remain spiritual. 
But you know, sometimes they have these churches that uh, will have memorials to people. You know, they've donated things and they'll become a memorial. Well, they had a service roll on the wall, you know, and it was, you know, the, the different wars. And they had the names of the church members that unfortunately had lost their lives, you know, and it, and, uh, and so there, there's this grandfather, he's got his little grandson, he's walking him through this church and he says, uh, uh, this is the, the, you know, this, this is the pulpit and this is the organ and he shows them and the kids reading all the little plaques, you know, people donated things, you know, dedicated to some loved one. And he comes to that service roll. And it says service role, and they know what that means. And he says, well, and it's got the different wars, you know, World War One, World War Two, whatever. He says, uh, what is this, Grandpa? He said, this is the list of names of people that died in the service. And he said, did they die in the morning service or the night service? Well... <laughs> I've been in some services where I died a thousand deaths. Sat on the front and wish I'd sat on the back so I could leave. Can't. So hopefully we don't have too many of those meetings. Glory to God. Well, I'm all for having an experience. That's where we left off, isn't it? I'm all for having an experience and feeling God's power in it. Wonderful. It's wonderful, and the Holy Ghost is... I mean, we're, we're all for people falling under the power as long as it's real and it's the Holy Spirit. Folks having an experience, having a vision. Praise God, let's have it all. Hey, be free, right? Like one preacher said, well, you know, if you're not careful, you get a lot of wildfire going. And I said, well, I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. So, you know, you can have all the order of a graveyard and have the same spirit of a graveyard. And yet, on the other hand, we don't want to just get in the flesh and do something to be doing it, push things, make people think if they're not hanging from the chandeliers, that, you know, they're not in church. That's the other ditch. Let's just go down the middle of the road. Amen. Be open to whatever the Lord has. But I'll tell you what, when it comes to overcoming yeah, I, where does the where is the battlefield? It is in your mind. I think Joyce Meyer has the book out, the battlefield of the mind. A lot of people have been blessed by that. There's a great truth there. The strongholds, fear. Oh, we preached last week on fear uh, and overcoming fear. All these things come against our minds. The devil's a liar. You know what he tells you? God is not going to fulfill His promise to you. Other people are blessed, but you're an exception. That's what he says. It's the same lie. Anybody ever heard that one? See, I just exposed it. So he tells you all this crazy stuff. And you think, wow, I'm the only one thinking this. And there's like 10 million people he's told the same. He, he has like national broadcasts in the spirit realm. And tells you everybody's the same thing. And you're thinking, I'm the only one feeling this way. And you find that everybody in the church thinking the same thing. Or the devil's been talking to everybody the same. Did you know that's true? Well, anyway, here you have all these, all these challenges. How are you going to overcome that in the mind? 
The lies. You ever been lying awake at night, two o'clock in the morning, you can't sleep? Say, yes, Brother Horton, and the Lord really speaks to me in that time. Well, that's great. Uh, He can. But then there's times that it isn't the Lord. (laughs) It's the devil. Or it's a symptom. Or it's a pain. Or it's a problem. Or something else, right? That's talking. And you know, how am I going to overcome it? I'll tell you, there's only one way. You know, one time I was in Peru. I had gone on a trip. I've been going down there about 20 years or more. And uh, I was there by myself. Sheree's at home with the three kids. And I know that there's not enough money in the ministry account to float everything while I'm gone. I'm, I just tell Sheree, I'm going, we'll believe God. So we did. But you know what? The devil was talking to me the first night in the hotel. I'm in there by myself. The devil's telling me how irresponsible I am. Here you call yourself a minister. This is what he'd say. Here you call, well, he's a liar anyway, but you know, here's the lie. You call, but I'll tell you, can it weigh heavily on you? Here you call yourself a minister out there, a big preacher. Yeah, the big ministry out there traveling the international field. Just mocking me. And you left your wife and your kids at home and not enough money and the bills are coming due while you're gone and what's the matter with you? You know, just talk to you like that. You feel so irresponsible. You feel like you ought to call the airline, let them beg to let you come home. You know, come home and sell a car or do something, try to make it work. But you knew God had called you. You knew you were obeying the Lord. Hallelujah. I know a few scriptures. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat of the good of the land. I'm standing on the Word, but I'm just laying in there. It's about midnight. I can't sleep. Probably jet lag helped with it, you know. And I'm laying there and just suffering. Anybody ever been there? Just suffering with your thoughts. Painting the worst case scenario. He, the devil, I'll give the devil a little credit today. He's the master of worst case scenarios. He can absolutely paint a picture of worst case scenarios. And he can make that thing live so big in your head. And if you let it, it'll get down in your heart if you let it. And then you'll, you'll, then you'll be helping the devil believe, believe for the worst. If you're not careful, you start saying it, confessing it. Well, I'm laying there just suffering. I'm telling you suffering, feeling guilty, feeling stupid. Feeling stupid. I mean stupid, like I'm stupid. And I said, Lord, this is terrible. I'm just suffering here. I'm not in faith. I'm not helping anybody. I'm not even in faith. Here my wife's at home, believe in God at least. I'm not even in faith. I'm in fear. Total fear. And I said, Lord, what do I do? And I heard these words just as clear as a bell come up in my spirit. It wasn't an audible voice. But you know, the still small voice of the spirit that everybody has. If you'll st- Sometimes if we'll start, stop praying and talking for a minute, the Lord might speak to us. Lord, speak to me. I can't hear your voice. Well, shut up and you might be able to. (laughs) One guy told me one time, a young preacher, you know, he said, I don't ever hear the voice of God and I really want to. And I said, well, I've been riding around with you about three days and every time we're in the car, you got the radio on full blast. You're on your phone. You're on your iPad. You're on your everything. You got noise going 24-7. 
You go to bed with an iPad blinking off, you know. I said, why don't you uh, shut everything off? I said, I bet you're the kind of guy. In fact, I knew because I'd been to their house. You walk in the house, the TV's on 24-7. I said, no wonder you can't hear from God. He can't compete with all your electronics. <laughs> well, we've got all that stuff too. But every now and then you need to turn everything off. If you'll get quiet, you'll hear God speaking to you. Get off the phone. Well, I told Sister Ledbetter about it. Well, she's got her TV on too. So anyway, you know, just I'm laying there suffering. And I'm trying to fight this thing off with good thoughts. You ever done that? I'll just, I'll out, I'll outpower the devil with my tremendous brain. And I'll brain power, you know, you know. And I said, Lord, I'm suffering. What do I do? He said, get up, turn on the light. Well, that's genius. I got a light right by the bed. Thank God. I pull the thing and I turn on the light. He says, now, you see that Bible sitting there on your, your bedside? Yes. It's not doing you any good clothes. I thought, well, this is really deep, isn't it? I need a... What's the Greek word for closed? I don't know. This is really heavy. I've got to have a heavy revy here, right? Well, I get the Bible out. And I said, what do I do? He said, go, go to Psalms. I turned to Psalm and I start reading the Psalms about, you know, the Lord being my victory and being my shelter. I read Psalm 91, no plague shall come near my dwelling. And I start reading it out loud. And I start confessing that over my life and family. And I go from a place of utter despair to a place of total victory. In a matter of about seven minutes. It didn't take that long to get out of the hole. So then I, I, my wife and I talk, you know, in those days through fax machines. We'd send faxes back and forth. And we'd send faxes back and forth. You know, thank God when email and all that came. That was great. We'd send faxes back and forth and we'd preach to each other. And it wouldn't be long she'd have a testimony. You know, a check came in or somebody said they were moved on to donate something to our ministry or whatever. Amen? And we just went right on and didn't miss a beat. And God helped us. Well, you know, that's, that's like 30 years of that. And God is still doing the great thing. But we've learned. Our, if we're going to fight the devil, you need to have the right equipment. And the first thing you need to do is grab your sword. The Word of God. This is deep, Brother David. That's just it. You know, the most profound things aren't so deep. Right? Just right there. Glory to God. Well, you know, he finally, Jesus finally overcame. Turn to Colossians. We'll look there a minute. We're nearing the end. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know if I've helped you today, but I'm helping myself. 
You take the Word of God and you fight your battles. One preacher said this, put it this way, he said, find verses that deal with what your need is. You need a healing? Get your healing verses out. Praise the Lord. If you need uh, a sense of righteousness, forgiveness, and mercy, get those scriptures out. Don't go to the condemnation, go to hell verses. I've seen people before, you know, they, they feel bad. They feel guilty. Something they've done wrong. And they're, they've got a contrite heart, though. They said, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like what's happening in my life. And, you know, I'm, I'm repenting. Remember, we preached on repentance. Turning your, turning your face to the wall. And, I, and, and, I, and I've heard others say, well, I can't get any victory in my soul again. One guy wrote me this the other day on Facebook from Brazil wrote and said, I've committed some sins. I can't, I can't have the victory anymore. And I said, well, get in the Scriptures that talk about restoration. Talk about being the righteousness of God in Christ. Begin to declare. Hallelujah. You've turned from the wicked way. You're on the right path now. Praise God. Following the Word. Following the Spirit. You're restored. He's faithful. To forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's faithful. But you know, you'll get somebody that, you know, if they're not careful, they'll get into all the scriptures that send them to hell. And they'll fight for the right to be condemned and go to hell. I've said, no, don't go that route. Get on the, get on the mercy side of God. Get on the grace side of God. Hallelujah. Thank God for His faithfulness. Thank God for His goodness. Hey, we've all been there. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things we had regrets for. But we don't live in the regret. We don't live in the mistake. We live over in the victory. Thank God for His blood. Thank God that He makes us righteous. Thank God that He has the power. We don't have the power to make ourselves stand. We'll fail every time if we depend on flesh. But thank God He has the power to make us stand and put us over. Get on that for a while. Glory to God. Do you find Colossians 2 yet? For those of you who are still looking, it's in the New Testament. Alright. Okay. That's a joke. My wife says, if I have to say it's a joke, it wasn't a very good one. Because then people don't get it. Oh, I'm writing. I'm trying to get new writers for my material. Okay. Well, let's just, let's just, we're going to just read verse 15, but it's so awesome. Let's, uh, let's start at, uh, verse 11. Jump up there. Just a few verses. All right. Well, no. Let's start at verse 9. Yeah, in the beginning, we're going to read the whole Bible. We've got to beat the Baptist to the cafeteria. We can't do that. My dad, my dad actually went, we went to pastor a church once. The, the, the committee met with him and said, 
the board members and people, they said, now, Brother Horton, we know that you're a great preacher and, and all that, but we want you to know that we expect to be out by 12 every time. Uh, two minutes before would be better because we need to beat the Baptist to the cafeteria. They actually said that. Well, they were a, they were a singing church. You know, they had a sanctuary would seat 500 and a hundred of them were in the choir. We had a hundred seats in the choir. And so they'd like to sing. They sing. The song service got longer and longer and longer, you know. Till finally my dad was left with 20 minutes to preach, give the altar call, do everything, you know. So he started running over and of course the complaint started. You know, the complaint department got busy. So he figured out how to beat them. So what he did is he showed up one Sunday and he said, all right, and the choir was loaded. I mean loaded. There's not any even extra seats. Everybody's in the choir. The piano player is ready to go. She's got her, uh, she actually made her own shoes and hat and purse to match. She'd buy them and glue feathers all over the shoes, the purse, and the hat. And she'd play the piano so fast that the feathers would fly. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's the truth. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating that at all. She'd about burn the keyboard off the piano. And so she, she was ready to go. She had on, I think, purple feathers that day. And then we got the organ, the Hammond organ player, the Leslie's going, everything's ready to go. The choir's loaded. They're ready to sing for, you know, until, you know, there's no time left for preaching. And then we'd let everybody out of the choir. You know, we'd play a little music. This is the way we did it. We'd play a little music and then they'd file out of the choir and some of them would go right to the back door into their cars and leave. You could hear the cars starting up. They're not going to stay for the preaching, just come to sing convention songs, you know. Well, it's great, nothing wrong with convention songs, but that's all they wanted to do is be choir members. So they'd leave, get in their car, you'd hear the outside the church, you know, the windows, you'd hear the car doors slamming and folks, you know, talking about where they're going to go eat. So my dad had it up to here with it, you know, and he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, uh, so one Sunday they got all ready to go and he would, you know, go up to do the opening prayer. And uh, the choir director got up. He said, now you just sit still. He said, everybody in the choir, stay seated. Sister on the piano, stay. He said, open your Bibles. I'm going to preach for the time that you usually take for singing. And he says, I'm going to preach, give an altar call, and then me and my wife are leaving. And y'all can sing all afternoon. That's what he did. So they got the message and kind of toned it down. Everybody kind of got on the same page. <laughs> so anyway, thank God. All right, now look here. Look at verse 9. Colossians 2, 9. For in Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Him. And you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ 
having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith. These are good words, aren't they? In the powerful working of God, who raised Him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us most of our trespasses. Is that what it says? all of our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He canceled it. This, He set aside, nailing it to His cross. Nailing it to the cross. And look at this. We're talking about how to defeat the devil, and this is the foundation of it all. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, and put them to open shame, glory to God, by triumphing over them in Him. So, number one, we're going to backtrack now. Our Number one, we need to know, and where do we know that? It's from what's written. It's right here. We just read it. Number one, the devil is already defeated. Folks, you don't have to have a breakthrough. You especially don't have to send in a thousand dollars to get one. Anybody selling breakthroughs ought to be shot with something. I don't know what. With the word. With a with a prayer or something. Right? Well, you don't have to, you don't have to work hard to defeat the devil. He's defeated. Jesus defeated him. Jesus defeated him, I said. So, well, he's coming against me in my health. Yeah, but he's already defeated. But he's coming against me in my finances. But he's already defeated. But he's tempting me with sin. But he's already defeated. Hallelujah. He's trying to do something to my family. Yeah, but he's already defeated. But he's talking to me. Yeah, but we're going to talk back to him. Well, my mama told me not to talk back to anybody. Well, you better start talking back to the devil. Talk back to him. Tell him. Read. You know what he hates? Now, let me tell you about... You want to know how to drive the devil crazy? He hates anything that embarrasses him. He absolutely lives for praise. He absolutely is a, uh, the most, you know, I mean, the, the, the most elevated in his mind creature. He loves pride. He's a prideful thing. It's all about pride with the devil. So hurt his pride. Hurt his pride. Read the word to him. Say, today I would like to invite Satan to join our devotional so that we can read his defeat to him. Read. Uh, tell him when he talks to you. Say, I've got some. He says, well, look at you. You're laying there. You're not feeling well. God's not helping you. You're defeated. You're by. No, you need to say, no, let's talk. Let's talk about. We don't talk about who's defeated. Let's talk about you, you idiot. <laughs> You're defeated. That's pretty stupid, isn't it? To have like 
one of the top spots in heaven and you get kicked out. Because you want to be God. You weren't happy. This is why you need to talk to the devil. If there's anybody you can get a little smart mouth to, it's him. People say, I'd be very careful. Well, that's because you don't know who you are in Christ. We've got a reverential fear. I tell you what, folks have got it upside down. We've got a reverential fear of the devil instead of a reverential fear of God. We need to have a reverential fear of God. We need to have an awesome respect for God. Instead, it's, shh, the devil's talking. Listen. Like one lady said, the devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. Well, anyway, here, here he's, he's, uh, already defeated. You understand? He's a defeated foe. I said he's a defeated foe. He's our enemy, but he's defeated before he starts. And you need to talk to him and say, listen, you're going to talk about who's defeated. Let's talk about you. You're an idiot. You got yourself kicked out of heaven. How foolish is that? How vain can you be? But we see through. We're aware of your devices. We know what this attack is about. You've come against us. To try to defeat us. You've come against us to say, as in Malachi, it is vain to serve God. Here we've served God all of our lives. Here we've worshipped God all of our lives. Here we've been faithful in the ministry or faithful to, you know, in the things of God. And here's these attacks. You say, we're aware of your devices. We're not ignorant. And we see through it. And we declare that you're defeated in Jesus' name. I tell you what, that'll put you over every time. And stop his mouth. Did that help you at all today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and thank God for the word. Lord, we give you praise. We give you honor. We thank you for the word in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.